Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast with me, Aaron Stokes. And this afternoon I'm joined by BBC Radio Newcastle presenter Matthew Raisbeck to look back at Sunday's fantastic win on the South Coast against Southampton. Matthew, I don't know about you, but I think it's going to take a while yet for it to sink in that Newcastle United are a real force. I think every time you think that, you know, they could have a potential banana peel in front of them, they just managed to get through it. And even though they weren't at their brilliant best yesterday, they still managed to pull off what was another resounding victory. Uh, you were obviously on the South Coast yesterday commentating with John Anderson. First and foremost, what did you make of the performance? Well, thanks, Aaron, for having me. It's uh, good to be with you again. Yeah, that point you've just made about it taking a bit of time to sink in just how good Newcastle are. Um, it's exactly the conversations that, that we were having in the car on the way back and that I've had with it, with a few fans because I think we kind of keep expecting them, not because there's a lack of faith in what they do or in Eddie Howe to slip up, and yet they just keep doing the business. It's It's really, really, it's quite weird, isn't it, given where they've been and we might talk about Eddie Howe's 12 months in charge later, but, you know, exactly 12 months ago, he was watching them at Brighton, second bottom, I think, hadn't won. And then fast forward to today, third in the table. And yesterday, Sunday at Southampton, it wasn't one of their better performances, really. And yet they were clinical and clinical enough to win the game. And I think on reflection, it's probably the sort of match that a team that is serious and seriously good goes and gets a result in because when you're not quite at your best the football isn't flowing in the way that it has done in other games you've um you've had to take your center forward off at half time because he's unwell um you know little things like that they still manage to produce a performance worthy of a 4-1 win and i think that is such a, a gratifying uh, outcome and such a really encouraging sign so yeah not at their best but great result and um I don't know about you, but I've looked at the league table quite a lot since last night. And it's, um, well, it's uh, it's lovely stuff, isn't it? it? It is. And as you say, it will take a while to get used to. And I think, you know, you made a very good point there. Obviously, we will talk about Eddie Howe's 12-month anniversary. This time last year, he came in, he admitted they were in a relegation battle. Um, I think everybody's been surprised at the nature of the turnaround, how quick it's been. I mean, third in the table, a chance next weekend to go nine points clear of Chelsea if they beat them heading into the World Cup break. Just how surprised have you been with the sort of timing of the turnaround, how quick it's been under how? Yeah, it's been stunning, hasn't it? I think this season, before it started, 10th would have been progress because they finished 11th last year. So getting into the top half would have been, I think, a pretty big stride forwards. Um, and we would all have loved a, a cup run as well. And, and, you know, that is, that's realism. That's Newcastle fans being realistic as as they always have been. And we know that because we cover the club, we follow it, we understand it more than than people who don't, um, who will, will talk about expectations. But as things have gone on, 
you start to believe a little bit more and then you start to look up and see that other things are possible. And it's probably, I think, only since maybe the week when they drew with Manchester United and you're know, right, there were a couple of late chances, weren't there? But they were pretty comfortable. And then the Everton game that I was thinking, well, hang on a minute, we might have to set our sights a bit higher here. So the speed and the rate at which things have, have changed has been remarkable. I mean, what a transformation, not just where they are in the table from having been bottom and in a relegation fight to now being third. And whatever happens against Chelsea, um, I'm, I think they'll be top four, won't they, when the World Cup starts? So they're going to be in the top four until at least Boxing Day, which is, which is you know, halfway through the season just about, which is sensational. Um yeah, talking about that week when things turned, that the three games, the Man United, Everton and Spurs, that's when I really started to take it seriously and think, oh, hang on a minute. Um, but like I say, the speed that everything has has changed in um, is something that they deserve great credit for, players and staff and fans who've gone with them on the journey as well. Because it is a journey. I just thought it would be a bit of a slower one. And that wouldn't have been a problem because it's an exciting ride to be on. Um and yeah, like I say, the, the, the way things have, uh, have transformed in the last year, I don't think anybody would have thought that they would go from this team that sat deep with a low block, that lacked confidence, that couldn't score goals. And even though they were defensive, were shipping far too many to being a team that has, has scored this season, what, an average of two goals per game. They've still got the best, jointly best defensive record in the Premier League. I mean, by every metric possible, they've improved. And there's some of these like key points, key identifiers when you look at performance and how a team's doing. And Newcastle are coming out top or, or near enough top. It's it's absolutely incredible. It is. It's a, it's a remarkable turnaround. And I think, you know, you, you touched on it there. The the belief is the big thing with Eddie Howe, isn't it? He, whether it's in the dressing room or in the interviews after, he makes it known that you know Newcastle can go and beat anyone. He, he I think he really instills that in the players. And I think... That's the mantra we've seen this season, obviously against Manchester City and Manchester United and Spurs, where they've they haven't sat back ever. They've really taken the game to these huge teams. Now, one thing we do know about Eddie Howe is that his feet will be kept firmly on the ground. You know, you hear fans in the stands singing that Newcastle are going to win the league, and us in the media are starting to maybe think that Europe is possible. Howe's never going to come out and say that, but do you think internally him and his team are thinking we've got a huge chance now? to finish at least in the top six? Well, yeah, I think they probably will know that. I mean, they'll be aware of where they are and how well it's going. Like, why wouldn't they be? But yeah, the messages that you'll get from them are that it, they just have to be realistic and not get carried away. Um, and that's what you'd expect them to say. Um, you know, if, if we're still having this conversation in, in March and April and in the, the final month of the season, then, you know, maybe you might hear different things. Maybe by that point, they they could have qualified for Europe anyway. Um, I think it will be really interesting to see see what happens when January arrives. Um, because like I say, they'll be in that top four now during the World Cup break. So then Leicester, Leeds and Arsenal, just after the turn of the year, um, will be three different difficult tests when they come back. Now, if they can maintain it or improve, brilliant. If maybe they, they, they drop off a little bit with results, then... You know, there's an argument both ways for, for additional investment in January. But I think that could be the key to turning what is a, an exciting and fun and enjoyable 
and promising season into something that, that could be truly memorable with, you know, hopefully for Newcastle, European football at the end of it. I mean, we're certainly all hoping that's the case. Like you say, I think we probably won't hear that from Howe until very, very deep in the season if they're still in that position. Let's talk about Sunday's game then. Um, as we've both touched on, it probably wasn't Newcastle's finest performance. You know, they've had a couple of matches this season where you think they probably haven't been at their best level. Um, they still managed to sort of either grind out wins or actually sort of, you know, completely emphatically bit teams. Um, yesterday at the start of the game, you know, it looked like one of those games where it just wasn't clicking at the start. You know, Newcastle struggled to break Southampton down. They were dangerous on the counter of the home side. Um at the start of the game, before Miggy opened the score, and did you get the feeling that it was going to be you know, quite a tricky afternoon for them? Yeah, I did. And even though Southampton were in the bottom three yesterday before the match started, they're a young team with a lot of energy. And I think that makes them dangerous opponents. I know they have their limitations. Obviously, that's why they're at the other end of the table. But they do have some good players as well. Um, you know, We all know how good Ward Prowse is. I think he's a player a lot of Newcastle fans would have liked uh, the club to go for over the last year. So, you know, there's one example, but there are others in their team who can be dangerous. Um, and the goal came at a really good time, didn't it? And actually in commentary with with John Anderson, you know, we were discussing Southampton's vulnerability at the back and there were a few moments before Almiron scored that they looked a bit shaky um, and, and a bit um, unclear about how they were doing things, that they'd made a couple of changes defensively as well. Um and yeah, I think the goal probably took away some of their belief. But then they started the second half with with a bit of positivity and um, um, a good tempo, Southampton. So the timing of Newcastle's next two goals was was absolutely critical, wasn't it? Wood, lovely finish. And then four minutes later to turn 2-0 into 3-0, just killed it with Willock's goal. Um, set up brilliantly by Trippier. Um, I mean, that was, that was top-class play. Um, to get the ball and then to roll it through. So, yeah, they, like I was saying earlier, good teams go and win those games, top teams win those games and, and win them well and, and just put it to bed. And then, well, they just capped it off with the fourth goal, the, the brilliant strike from Bruno uh, from distance. I think um, the Southampton goal, the consolation goal, which was well taken, um, would have been a, a real frustration for Newcastle because obviously they were hoping to protect that clean sheet, weren't they? Um, so to go and get a fourth and just re-establish that three-goal cushion, I think was nice at the end, probably removed a little bit of the irritation at uh, conceding a goal. But overall, just a, like I say, it was a performance that was clinical in front of goal and good enough to go and win 4-1 away from home. And I just think it's another sign that this team is going places. Yeah, it certainly is. I think, like you say, the manner of the way they sort of Put that game to bed in the second half was really sort of testament to what Eddie Howe was doing. That you know they're really punishing teams. You know four shots on target yesterday, four goals. The man who started off Miguel Almiron. There's a brilliant comment here in the comments on Facebook by John Steele. He says love and Razor's commentary at the minute, especially when Almiron scores. He sounds more shocked than us. Um, <laughs> now, is there much Thanks, truth to that? Are you, are you still a bit con surprised when he scored? I mean. You keep thinking that the run's going to come to an end and it just doesn't. He's just, he's absolutely flying at the minute, isn't he? Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, initially, you know, the, the goal at Fulham, wow. There was there was shock all around Craven Cottage um, after what he did, but but the sensational finish. 
got the match of the day two goal of the month on Sunday night, didn't it? Deservedly so. Um, he's got to get Premier League goal of the month. He's got to get player of the month. There's something wrong if he doesn't. Um, so, yeah, initially the shock, but also delight. But then the fact that it that it continued. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's sort of strange, isn't it? Because even though he's given a lot to the team and everyone has always loved him, um, just because of the character he is and, and the work rate, apart from anything else, this side of the game hasn't been there. And again, Ando often says during the matches when Almiron's got time to think about something, that's maybe when um, the end product isn't there. Well, he scored first time finishes, Fulham, uh, Everton was another, but he's scoring goals now where he has got time to think about it. He did it at Villa. Um, I love the way he cut in and bent it in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at Southampton, well, there was a defender. I'm not quite sure what they were doing. It was a strange attempt at a tackle. But he's got one thing in his mind now, Almiron, and it's to head for goal and to score. And the, I think it's confidence, isn't it? Confidence plus ability. Um, and look, when you're on a run, it, things maybe are just a bit easier. So, yeah, there's probably a little bit of surprise that it keeps going, but only because you think that, you know, all good things come to an end. But look, you wouldn't put it past them scoring again this week, would you? In the in either or both of the two games that they've got, um, it's a remarkable run. I think everyone's just really pleased for him. But the serious point, it's taken some of the pressure off the other players. You know, without Callum Wilson for a while, even though most of Almiron's goals, well, all of them, uh, apart from Manchester City, have been when Wilson's been back from injury. You know, they're less reliant on him now. If he doesn't get a chance, if he doesn't score, it'll come from another source. It'll be Almiron. Same with Bruno when he's scoring. So it's important to the team uh, for that reason. Um, but yeah, I'll try not to sound so shocked um, <laughs> next time he puts one away, whenever that is. Well, potentially Saturday, you, you would hope, maybe against Chelsea. But I, th- I think that's the point. Everybody's so delighted for him. He's always given a lot for this football club. He grafts and grafts every week. Fans were really behind him from the first minute and what I think is quite telling now is when he scores and how many of the team go over and celebrate with him and just the feeling of the fans it, it has taken the pressure off the other attackers because you know his end product last season he scored one goal he had no assists and now he's you know he's a real key member of this attacking side um, so long may it continue a man you've just mentioned there Callum Wilson um, obviously he raised a few eyebrows when he didn't come out for the second half a lot of people I'm sure Gareth Southgate included in the stands was a bit concerned. Um, we do now that he was obviously just um, a bit unwell through in the week. Um, the start of the second half, as you mentioned earlier, Southampton looked to pick up a bit. They were, you know, quite going forward, you know, at the start of the half. They were looking quite dominant um, until Chris Wood's goal. We've seen quite a lot with Newcastle when Wilson isn't playing. You know, the style of football that they play suits him really well. When he's not on the pitch maybe that's when it doesn't work so well. Did you think second half that actually Southampton could potentially come back into the game? Yeah, we were all worried about Kieran Trippier at half-time, not Callum Wilson. So when um, when we saw Wood getting ready, obviously we knew there was a change coming, but um, it was... We thought he was going, a, going right back. <laughs> yeah, it was a surprise. We were thinking, how are they going to um, shuffle this around? Uh, and Wilson, yeah, when he didn't return... You're right. There's, you know, the the alarm goes off, doesn't it? Because you you're panicking for Newcastle, but also for him with England. Because I I really hope he goes to the World Cup. I think he deserves to. He's desperate for a shot at it, um, and we'll find out later this week. 
whether that's the case. And also, like you say, Aaron, with Gareth Southgate being there, you, you're right. That's um, that's not a time to go off injured, isn't it? But but Eddie Howe, is, as you pointed out, said that Wilson was just feeling lightheaded, uh, having having not been too well during the week. And yeah, I mean, that was it was something that came up last season a lot during Wilson's four or five months out with the calf injury when Wood was playing. Do Newcastle play to Chris Wood's strengths? Are they not set up better for a different type of centre forward? I mean, yesterday it ultimately didn't matter because they got those those goals. What was it? 15, um, maybe ten minutes after coming on, I think uh, Wood something like that to make it two, and then the third from Willock soon after. So that um, that killed any hope of the Southampton fight back. But yeah, they do have to play in a different way when Wilson isn't there. When Wilson is there you realise just how good he is uh, and what he brings to the team. You know, he can do it with his back to goal. He can be physical. He'll, he'll engage defenders. He'll, he'll get in a bit of a fight if he needs to, uh, but he can run the channels. He can run off. He can go in behind. I mean, look, he can do everything. Wood is a different type of player. Um, but everyone, again, after talking about how pleased they are for Almiron, they're all delighted for Chris Wood, who, um, look, is, is a really nice guy and, and, and always... Um, a nice person to speak to, to interview after the games. And he's certainly grafted for Newcastle, worked really hard, and he's come up with some important goals as well. I mean, you think before that he scored Southampton this season and last season, the winner against Wolves in the penalty spot, and then the winner at Tranmere in the Cup. You know, those are goals that have mattered, that have really counted for something. And he knows he's not first choice, but you'd think that he'd probably get a chance on Wednesday, regardless of, of how Wilson is, because that's a... Yeah, an ideal opportunity to play him and, and maybe just hold Wilson back for, for Chelsea. Mm-hmm. It, that's the thing with Chris Wood, isn't it? You know, he came in and generally there was a lot of pressure on his shoulders, especially when Wilson got injured. And, you know, it's safe to say it hasn't probably worked out as he would have wanted. But yesterday, I thought the way he took that goal, you know, it was like watching the Chris Wood of Burnley mm-hmm. days. You know, he was so confident, wasted no time swivelling and with a great finish. And as you've pointed out, you know, there was a lot of players delighted that he got the goal. The fans are delighted for it. He's seemingly got a lot of confidence off the back of it. He's, you know, he's talking last night about he wants to start on Wednesday. Um, you have alluded to it, but how pleasing is it for him to finally see him actually, you know, getting another goal in the, in the league? I think everyone, everyone's been, been willing him on and been rooting for him. You know, the fans are supportive of the players. They want them all to do well. Um, and look, if you're a striker and you're not scoring, then there will be some analysis of your performance and other contribution to the team. Eddie Howe had been very keen to point out last spring before Wilson came back that Wood actually does a, a heck of a lot for the team that's unselfish, that's off the ball, that supporters will see. So even though there hadn't been um, you know, a huge number of goals last season, there'd been something that was valuable. Uh, to the side and, and help their effort as they, they got away from the relegation zone. I was really pleased for him. I mean, it was just a sw- good swivel uh, and, you know, right into the corner. So very accurate finish. And like you say, he was um, was prolific for Burnley you know, to an extent, I suppose. He was their main goal threat. They did have others. He did well in the Premier League for them. You know, there might have been some Newcastle fans that would have thought he'd have been a good option for them a few years ago. And they had to spend big to get him. But, but those were the terms. They needed another striker last season. And, and I do think he can still play a role this season um, and the, the League Cup. And if they have a run in one or both of the Cups, that's an opportunity for players like Wood, isn't it, who are desperate for, for game time. 
He has featured in most of the matches this season when you look at it. He hasn't played in all of them, but but I think all bar one or two, he's been on the pitch for even as a late sub. So Eddie Howe has used him and turned to him at times. And and yeah, that might be from the start on, on Wednesday and hopefully he'll get a he'll get another one. Yeah, as you say, you know, he maybe hasn't done it in front of goal, but he certainly has played a, a huge part in that team. You know, he, he defends from the front, he tries to press, you know, and which Eddie Howe wants from his attacking players. And I think if they can just keep using them, just keep getting little bits out of them between now and the end of the season, I think, you know, that £25 million price tag might not look as pricey as it currently does um, at the moment. But, you know, obviously, as plenty of fans are saying here in the comments, delighted to see him back on the score sheet. Another player back on the score sheet who, for me, has been one of the massive improvers of late, and that's Joe Willock. Um, Newcastle obviously killed that game in quick fashion, two goals in four minutes. Um Beautiful assist from Kieran Trippier, who we'll touch on a bit later, is just seemingly having his best run of form ever. How impressed have you been with Willick in recent games? Because it does feel like ever since Fulham away, he's, he's stepped up in this team, doesn't it? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, well, well, you've seen him as well, Aaron. You've you've watched the games, and you know just how how central he's been to Newcastle's success um, since October began. Um, with you know, with all the points they've they've picked up, and on that unbeaten run, um, the only thing that's been missing for Willock before yesterday was a goal, and it was twenty two games I counted without scoring in a Newcastle shirt since February at, at Brentford. Um, and similar sort of um, opportunity for him when he was at Brentford, he was played through by Cher uh, and, and went and put it in the top corner. And I thought he was going to do the same at Southampton. Uh, but in the end, he just sort of prodded it in with his toe, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, and just passed the goalkeeper's reach. Um, really pleased for him. He looks like a player who's enjoying himself, who I think feels as though he has an important role in the team, but is also supported by... Uh, the manager and his staff. I think that's crucial. I, I'm pretty sure he made comments of that nature in in the match day program a few weeks ago. How he's just happier in himself and he feels more settled, but also he's got a good relationship with Eddie Howe um, off the pitch as well, which which has been um, I think critical to his improved form. Um, the seven in seven on uh, in front of goal during his loan spell was probably never going to be repeated, but he can offer so much to the team. He's athletic and that gets him around the pitch. And if he's creating, but also scoring goals, then um, he's going to nail down a place in that team. And also just in general terms in midfield, you, know, you look at Shelby having been out with injury, but coming back now and having come on in the last three games and Longstaff, who's played um, a very big role recently and has been been excellent. And that's really pleasing to see as well. Many people's midfield at the start of the season might have been Bruno on the right, Shelby deeper, Joe Linton left. Well, only one of those three played yesterday. Bruno will always start, but with Joe Linton suspended um, and coming back and now Shelby fit again, it's going to be some tough choices to be made there. 
the World Cup break will mean that they don't have to be made for a few months. But the midfield, just the setup's been interesting because that three, Willock, Longstaff and Bruno have worked so well together. Uh, to the extent, Aaron, recently, as you know, Joe Linton's had to play a lot on the left side of the attack because it couldn't quite get him into the midfield. And I think that is an endorsement of how well Willock and, and Longstaff and Bruno have been doing together in recent weeks. Yeah, and I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Not many people would have expected that to be the midfield three. Um, and Eddie Howe, you know, he likes to stick to his guns after wins. He doesn't make too many changes and he's put a lot of trust in Willock and Longstaff who have repaired him in bucket loads. Now, Longstaff, for me, you know, people who listen to this podcast regularly know that I've tried to defend him at quite a lot of stages. He splits opinion among the fan base. A lot say that, you know, his negative is that he doesn't do enough with the ball, but the positive undoubtedly is the work he does off it. And I think that's why Eddie Howe loves him so much and has, has given him so many minutes this season. And yesterday he was awarded man of the match. As you say, he didn't score. He didn't really assist, but you know, he, his work off the ball is just absolutely crucial to this team. How impressed have you been with him both yesterday and in this season? Yeah, very much so. Um, I'm really happy for him as well, as I think, well, I can see you are, especially as you've defended him um, against some of the critics. But I, like I said earlier, like the fans just want the players to do well, don't they? And, and you know, they support them as individuals. And we saw his potential four years ago when he broke through into the first team. And for a few months, you know, he was um, he was hitting the heights and then an injury came and then he went backwards after Rafa Benitez left, there's no doubt about it. Eddie Howe has done a lot of work with him and has spoken about doing a lot of work with him because he he sees that it's in there and rates him as a player. But he also talks about his energy and work rate and how he can get around the pitch and, and what that gives to the team. And that has been, um, yeah, a really big thing for them because they are a hard-working team. They're, they're a team that plays with intensity when they press. They do it as a group from the front. And Longstaff's often part of that. So you've got to have energy. You've got to be physical. You've got to be able to get around to, to be in this Newcastle team now. Um, and Longstaff will give you that and he'll do it without complaint and with, with full commitment. I think we're also seeing more and more moments of quality from him. And you're right, he didn't have a chance at Southampton. He almost created one for Callum Wilson. There was that brilliant ball that he whipped in from the right. And maybe if Wilson had been 100%, he'd have got there. Um, I think coming through the academy, he was always an attacking midfield player. And when he went on loan to Blackpool, he got nine or 10 goals that season. Some of them were spectacular. Yeah. And he's, he scored one or two decent ones in a Newcastle shirt as well. Um, I think he can offer them more in that attacking, more attacking role, more advanced role on the right than he can as a deeper player. One criticism of him from, from John Anderson in our, in our commentaries is that when he's a bit deeper, if he gets it on the edge of the box, he sometimes gets caught on it. He's a bit slow to release it. Doesn't always have that problem when he's playing a, a, in a more advanced role. Um, so I think that's that's one of the, the advantages of having him further forwards. And it would be nice to see him score a few more goals because he is certainly capable of doing that for them. And, you know, there's, like I say, decisions to be made about midfield because... Many of us have felt that's Bruno's best position where Longstaff is now. But another point Eddie Howe's made a lot recently, if you've, you've watched his pre-match press conferences in particular, um, is that there's nice combination play 
on the right-hand side between Trippier, Longstaff and Almiron. They've got a good partnership. They're working together and that is bringing out the best in all three of them. And obviously Almiron with goals has been been reaping the rewards of that. And that's that's something that I don't think he really wants to break up and you can understand why. Yeah, I think I think that is spot on about the little combinations they have down the right. It's Whether it's Bruno or, or, or Longstaff in that position, I think that's aided Miggy's sort of development, having those sort of triangles that they play. But Longstaff, as you say, delighted for him, you know, an academy player, you know, living his dream and at one point maybe thought it wasn't going to work out under this new ownership. And I mean, he's he's currently starting every game, the team that's third. So I think that's yeah. silence the doubters. We've um, played in every game this season and that just underlines his importance to Eddie Howe. And there's there's not many others that have that have done that in, in League and Cup. So um look it's it's been great to see and, and you'll be vindicated as well. Yeah. Um after uh, after sticking up for him. And it's nice, isn't it, when a player who's had a tough time and had criticism and he's pretty self-critical as well. Like I think by all players, if he's not playing well, he'll know it. And they they come out of that stronger and better for it. That's um yeah, that's really pleasing to see. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not often that I'm vindicated on this podcast, so I'll, <laughs> I'll take it while I can, those small victories. Um, another midfielder that, that we've touched on, but not in great detail, is Bruno. Now, he obviously notched that fourth goal, brilliant finish. Um, the thing with Bruno, and, and me and Andrew talk about a lot on this podcast, is that you know he never seems to drop a level. And even if he puts in an eight out of 10 performance, you suddenly think, ooh, that wasn't Bruno at his best, even though you know it was a good performance. And I thought... Yesterday was probably one of his quieter games, um, certainly for, for the large stages of it. What did you make of him yesterday and that, and that goal at the end to seal the game? Well, I would agree with you. And also, I'd say against Aston Villa, he had good moments, but but he's had better games for Newcastle. And yet he's still um, integral to the team and, and the team's successes. He gives you, I don't think he drops below a certain level and his level is really high. Um and there are things that he does that other players just can't do in that team. And we all feel more confident when Bruno's name is on the team sheet. So, look, he is he's one of the first picks, whichever position in midfield he's in, um, because he's just so, so good. He's a special player, um, a top talent. I'm just so pleased that they have him. Um, yesterday, again, there were moments. Um, there were a couple of moments where he nearly got caught on the ball, but he has this, this knack of being able to wriggle free and get out of tight situations with close control, you know, maybe a bit of strength as well. Just, just an all-round quality midfield player. And that goal, where we sit for the commentary at Southampton, where all the media sit, you are quite a way along from the halfway line. Most grounds are quite central, so you're round about on halfway and you can see both sides quite evenly, which I tend to prefer Um unless you're in an end where the away fans are, which is louder and that's better on the radio for us because we're covering the game from Newcastle's perspective. Mm-hmm. In Southampton, we're, we're a long way past the halfway line. We were almost in level with the 18-yard box at the end that Newcastle were attacking in the second half. So we had a close view of the goals, but the view that we had was, was side on, so we couldn't really appreciate how good Bruno's shot was at the time mm-hmm. when he got it back from... Sam Maxima after the short free kick, you know, it, it looked like he'd, it didn't look that powerful, it like he just sort of stroked it in. And I, I couldn't quite see until I watched the highlights last night. That's actually a really good goal. He's sort of whipped it and bent it round low. Such an accurate finish um, right into the bottom corner. 
Um, and that, talking about Almiron with goals, Bruno brings goals as well. And that wasn't what they signed him for, but it's, um, well, it's been a bonus and um, third of the season yesterday. Yeah, very welcome bonus to see him adding goals from midfield. As you say, he just has these little moments in games where he lifts it. And I mean, Hassel Hutton yesterday sort of singled him out for praise after the game. And it was weird thinking that actually he wasn't probably, you know, the best player on the pitch, but he still yeah. sort of takes those headlines. Um, fantastic performance, obviously wrapped up with that goal. One player we haven't really touched on and um, we I think we should is, is that of Kieran Trippier because... I think everybody's hearts were in their mouths when he pulled up with that hamstring injury just before half time. Again, Gareth Southgate probably covering his eyes in the stands. Bruno, in the eyes of many, will be the best signer from January. But I mean, this Kieran Trippier, he looks as if, you know, he's 22, 23. He looks like he's a spring chicken and he just brings so much to this team, both attack in attack and in defence, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, he's a high quality player. And, and I'll admit, We've all seen him over the years for, for Spurs, England, maybe Atletico. Um, I didn't realise or fully appreciate how good he actually is until mm-hmm. seeing him in a black and white shirt. And this season, he just gets better and better. Um, I think, again, a bit like with Bruno, and I would also throw Sven Botman in there as well. He was yet to taste defeat because he didn't play at Liverpool. So he's never lost. Mm-hmm. Well, Newcastle never lost when he's been on the pitch. Um I'd say we're lucky to have them in the Newcastle team because they are, you know, they are elite level players. And Trippier, um, defensively, he's just he's just got that he's just got a bit more than than players we've seen in the past. He has that edge to his game. Uh, positionally, he's always in the right right spot, just about. But he loves to play forwards as well. You know, there's the free kicks, but actually, um, and I don't have them off the top of my head. But when it comes to chances created. Um, certainly by defenders, but actually maybe in the Premier League generally, chances created from set pieces. Trippier is right at the top of the list for those. Um, and he plays a, a significant role for Newcastle in the attacking third and attacking half of the pitch as well. Um, as a leader, well, you can see the players all respect him and trust him. But what I thought was nice against Aston Villa, when Jamal Lascelles came on, Trippier was straight across with the armband, put it on in the respect Lascelles status. And what he's done for the club through difficult times, even though he's not playing at the moment, and gave him that. So I think he's a smart player. Uh, he's intelligent. And and when he when he pulled up or thought he pulled up with that hamstring issue, yeah, there, there was there was real concern. Again, a bit like Wilson, because you don't want the players' dreams to be shattered. And you also mm-hmm. think about it from Newcastle's point of view. And they were without him for so long last season as well um, because of that injury. And, and that was a shame. Uh, and, and your point about his age, yeah, you just wish he was a few years younger. But as long as he can run around um, and get around a pitch, I just hope he's wearing a black and white shirt because he is, um, He's yeah, he said it all going, didn't he, in January? And um, yeah, he's, he's a, a special player. Yeah, he is indeed. And I think, you know, when it comes to England, obviously they, they've had a lot of fullback issues at late. I think now, touch would all be well in the next two games. It should be a case of, where he starts in that team, whether right back or left back, rather than if he goes at all. Should just add, um, Eddie Howe said after the game, because we asked him how Trippier was, he said he, he was okay, but he just brought him off late on, put Mankio on just to protect him. Mm-hmm. I guess if there was any problem with it, with a hamstring, then he wouldn't have emerged for the second half, would he? 
Um, and England, well, they don't have many fullbacks, do they, either right or left? And Trippier can play both. Um, Dan Byrne can also play left back as well, can't he? Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if he'll be in the conversation later this week. We'll see. Yeah, I think there's a lot of Newcastle fans um, that listen to this podcast who have been on the Dan Byrne train for a while. It just remains to be seen whether Southgate thinks the same later this week. Um, but I think, yeah, we'll definitely have Trip. Yeah, hopefully Wilson and obviously Nick Pope as well in that squad come Thursday. Now, while, look, we've talked till we're blue in the face about Newcastle and how good they are. Southampton, you know, in the relegation zone, um, Ralph Hassenhutl obviously sacked this morning, um, Monday morning. Kieran Kelly, our reporter, wrote in, in one of his analysis pieces last night that Hassenhutl looked broken after the game um, by Eddie Howe's Newcastle United. Did it look like a man who was on the edge yesterday? He always seems quite downbeat anyway, Ralph Hassenhutl, whenever I've watched him. Um, I think there are struggles at Southampton, whoever's in charge, because they look, they don't have the the power that other clubs, and I'm not just talking about clubs like Newcastle post-takeover, but but other clubs in the Premier League have when it comes to spending. They tend to go for younger players. I mean, they made 10 signings in the summer and, and four of them were from Manchester City and, and three from Manchester City's academy. And, um, and they all played yesterday. There was the goalkeeper who is a little bit older. He, he's an Irish international, been out on loan, but, um, you know, three of the others, um, you know, are young players, maybe unfamiliar names. And, you know, that might help them in a couple of years. But I, I just think that probably they, they were lacking maybe a bit of know-how up front um, and, you know, maybe one or two quality players um, in other areas. But they did have a couple of injuries. Carl Walker-Peters, who is excellent fullback, um, wasn't available. And Tino Livramento, who you probably remember, came from Chelsea and was, was very good last season. He was only 18. He's been injured as well. So... Um, you know, Southampton might point to that. There's been pressure on on Hassan Hoodle, I think, because they've been in uh, in the bottom part of the table. They've they've only won once at home this season, so it wasn't a great surprise to see him lose his job. And I know it was, the reports were coming out last night that it was likely to happen. Um, I just think it's difficult at Southampton. They've always been a team I think that's tried to play nice football, and in the in the darker times for Newcastle when when they were struggling, even. At times under Rafa Benitez, but but particularly Steve Bruce, when when we went to Southampton or they came to St James's, I used to look at them and think, I wish Newcastle could play a bit like they do when they had Ward Prowse and Romeo in midfield and and Ings up front. And um, you know, I think they've been a decent team over the years, but but they're probably going to struggle this season, aren't they? Unless something changes significantly. Well, the manager's gone, so yeah, we'll um, we'll see. Southampton used to be a, a bad. Um, a bad place for Newcastle to go to. It used to be a pretty depressing destination, uh, certainly the Dell, but also St Mary's. And, and in recent years, well, it's been it's been rather good, hasn't it, for them? Yeah. Three of the last four um, at Southampton and, and only one defeat, and that was behind closed doors in, in uh, recent seasons. Yeah, certainly. Long may that continue, that record down there. Now, let's look ahead to, to uh, sorry to Wednesday. Obviously, Crystal Palace in the uh, League Cup. A big chance for Eddie Howe to rest some of these key players that have you know been put under quite a lot of pressure with a lot of games in recent weeks. Obviously, we're expecting the likes of Chris Wood uh, to start. John Joe Shelby and St Maximum, do you reckon this is the perfect type to throw them in from the outset before the World Cup? You'd think so, yeah. Just because they're running out of games and, and Shelby got, um, well, a, a good chunk of time on the pitch, maybe about half an hour, something like that at Southampton. So Maxim was, 
not played as much, having come off the bench in the last two. But, um, you know, if they are going to change the forward line and Wilson doesn't play, then you probably want Sam Maxima in the team. Could be an opportunity as well, Aaron, for Elliot Anderson, who um, was brought on at Southampton. Uh, I think that was his seventh substitute appearance in the league this season. His only start for Newcastle competitively has been in the Cup. So I'd like to see him play because I'm really excited about him, as, a, as a, I'm sure you are and, and anyone watching this will be. Um, and then Matt Target, maybe, you know, coming in at left back. He, I think he's been unlucky because he's been good for Newcastle. Um, but but obviously they want Byrne in the team and Byrne is playing at left back. And, and can you really drop him because of how well he's done? Um, might see Lascelles as well. Uh, Fabian Shea, who I thought was very good, particularly in the first half at Southampton. Is, uh, he's had a few knocks recently, bumps and bruises. Um, so it might be one one that he is rested for. Yeah, so there could be could be a handful of changes. I really hope they go through. Um, not least because on the radio at the start of the season, I tipped them to win the League Cup. And I got a lot of, uh, um, well, I got, I got some reaction from our other presenters and pundits and also from Sunderland fans who thought it was ludicrous. Um, so reputationally, it would be good if they got through to round four. I also think getting through to the next round of the cup would actually be beneficial for them um, when the World Cup finishes because the next round of the League Cup after this is in the week before Christmas. So I know they've got the friendly against Rio Vallecano on the 17th of December. Um, the following midweek, they would have a League Cup tie. And I think that would be good. They might still have some players away um, in the World Cup final, Brazilians or English players, or maybe both or others. Um, but to, to have a friendly and then a competitive game before that that Leicester match on Boxing Day, I actually think will be a really good thing for them. And, and of course, cup progress is, is what we all want to see the club make now. Um, so it depends what Crystal Palace do as well. You know, they had a good win at West Ham at the weekend. I think they've got dangerous and exciting attacking players. It'll, it'll be tough. Um, I'm glad it's at St James's and not at Selhurst Park. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, you've hit the nail on the head there. I mean, I hope for your sake and for your radio yeah. prediction that obviously it comes true. But I think Eddie Howe's stressed, you know, he wants to take this competition seriously. I think um, we'll see, you know, quite a strong lineup with, you know, decent first team players that are probably itching to get a go. Elliot Arneson, as you say, I've been crying out front to get more game time in, in the league. And I think, as you say, it's a perfect opportunity, especially at St James's Park, to, to see what he can really do. Before I let you go, Matthew, I just want to get a prediction from, from you, and that is for Saturday's game. And it feels very, very strange that we're sat here and probably expecting Newcastle to do quite well against <laughs> um, uh, Certainly myself, I, I, I'm not afraid to say I think they, they will beat them, just given the manner of their performances of late. How do you see Saturday's game going? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've gone into a lot of games recently. I, I said this at the start, Aaron, that um, I thought, well, they can't do it again, can they? Surely not. And then they have. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of, of maybe not not believing as much as other people have. But I, I think also, actually, anyone who's followed Newcastle closely or who cares about Newcastle has maybe been conditioned into expecting things to go the other way um, because of because of what it's been like. And, you know, they're at the start of the journey and it's going to take some getting used to. So a game against Chelsea at home ordinarily would be yeah, a big match and you would, you would, you know, have expected them to be set up defensively. 
Um, I mean, they did that last season. It was it was between the Bruce and the, the Howe eras. Graham Jones was in charge and they were in the game for about an hour. This weekend is totally different. Chelsea maybe experiencing, you know, some transition, some change with a new manager. They've had a couple of um, disappointing Premier League results. There's a massive opportunity for Newcastle there to, to go and get to 30 points from 15 matches, um, which is... Yeah, which would be a, a splendid return, wouldn't it? And it, yeah, it's well within their capabilities. Um, I really hope they win in the cup first. Um, you know, I wouldn't be upset with a draw against Chelsea, depending on how the game goes. But I, I'm I'm going to back them to win to win both games and yeah, a few more goals. Um, I'm going to go for three-one against Chelsea at the weekend, and two-one uh, against Palace as well. And um, yeah. Almiron, I think, will uh, will score at least one of those goals that I've predicted. Well, you'll just have to make sure you don't sound so surprised on yeah. that <laughs> the because John Steele in the comments won't be happy. But look, uh, I can't believe we're sat here. As you say, a year ago, they hadn't won a game and now we're predicting, well, in your case, we're predicting League Cup trophy parades and, and 3-1 wins against Chelsea. So, look, fingers crossed that happens. But I love, I love the ball predictions. Thank you very much, Matthew, for joining us. Thank you very much to everyone who's tuned in live on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter and to those who are listening later on. We'll have more podcasts throughout the week, both before and after Crystal Palace and in the run-up to Chelsea at the weekend. Thank you very much for listening and take care.